One, two, three, four. This, my dear friends, is the Chofta. Do you want some more? Music, politics, football, life. Bob Marley and Media Choftians. 2023 was a really important year for me because um, I wrote my first full-on monograph as an academic called Bob Marley and Media, Representation and Audiences, and uh, this was published by Roman and Littlefield. The book took me all around the world, including um, giving the 26th annual Bob Marley lecture at the University of West Indies on invitation from the Institute of Caribbean Studies. This was a big honour for me um, as a non-Jamaican academic talking about Bob Marley and media in Jamaica itself. It's an annual event, it's an, it's an annual institution and, and some of the speakers that have spoken at the annual Bob Marley lecture are, are way more experts than me and people that actually knew him really well. So it, I was very humbled to be invited to this. The book's also taken me all around the world speaking in Sweden, in uh, Lithuania, doing a, a really uh, successful event at the University of Nicosia in, in Cyprus, speaking online at the Open University in London. There's a lot, lot of different events I've done, and there's so much I've learned from doing this research, which took me, I would say, the best part of five years. Three of those years I was doing it intensively, and, and the last one I was, I was writing it very intensively. The idea of the book, goes back quite a way really to the, the moment I found out Bob Marley had died and that was when I was a student at Essex University in 1981. I walked into a sound system event in a room behind the student union bar. Every few months or so or once a term there was a, a reggae sound system from Ipswich called Jarhammer Hi-Fi. They used to come down from Ipswich. I think they were, they were linked with Ipswich-based reggae band Jawaria, Jawarias. Whenever um, this sound system used to come down, I always used to go. So I remember walking into this room on May the 11th, 1981, and the first thing I heard from the MC was Bob Marley's Dead and Gone. And it really shook me, because I, I didn't. At the time, we're talking pre-internet, no one really knew what was going on in people's lives. You read all your information from the tabloids or from what was on TV or what you heard on radio, and, and that wasn't as instant as we have today. You know, you just look on your phone and you find out the news on your mobile. But back in those days, it took a while for news to kind of like travel. So it came as a complete shock to me. But the fact that I was hearing it on a sound system was very symbolic. And sound system culture has stayed with me ever since. Because back then it was a great way of finding out the news, you know, what was going on. And it still is. 
But one of the things that, that sort of puzzled me at the time and stayed on my mind and, and laid the foundation for the book was the fact that I'd never seen Bob Marley on British TV being interviewed. I'd seen all manner of other popular artists, you know, David Bowie, Queen, uh, the Sex Pistols, who, let's face it, only got interviewed once. <laughs> and Marley, though, was never on television. And, and despite the fact that he was touring the world, he'd become so popular. So this was at the back of my mind, you know, that there, there was something that was calling out for me to do research on. And when I started doing the research many decades later, I found out that, in fact, Bob Marley never appeared on British TV in an interview form, which is a bit shocking, I guess. And he also only appeared in, on Jamaican TV twice. Um, and one of those interviews, you'll never find it, because it was filmed in the 60s. Um, and the other one, there, it exists online. I didn't actually know about it before I wrote the book. I suppose Marley didn't really like TV, but then again, you know, you'll find loads of interviews with him in Germany, in France, um, all, all over the globe where he was interviewed in, on television, including in, in um, Australia, New Zealand. So these kind of glaring, you know, omissions um, are really important uh, in the findings of the book in, in the UK and, and in Jamaica. In the USA, it was a little bit different because you had the emergence of cable TV and the first reggae shows on cable TV started emerging from the 70s. So there was a few interesting, I would say, interviews with Marley. The other thing that I, I found really interesting in doing my research is what I actually learned from print media because the 70s was the golden age of the music magazine. It was the days when you know, NME and Melody Maker and Rolling Stone and all these publications at that time, mainly in the UK and USA, sold in their hundreds of thousands and were probably read by millions because they were very sort of social magazines. I remember being a student. If one person bought Melody Maker, another 20 read it because it got passed around the student union bar or the cafe or wherever. So... There was loads of people in, into reading about musicians in print form. And I think the, while television and, and radio, you, you can find quite a few interviews, but in, in print form, there's a lot more information on Marley from 72 or so to 1981 when he passed away. What I learned from, from this um, stuff really is, is really probably, you know, again, one of the key findings of the book. And that's simply that Marley was very conscious of the way he was represented. And he was very um, determined on it. There's an example of this by the reggae scribe Penny Real. So it's 1973, and Catch a Fire has just been released by Bob Marley and the Whalers, and they're booked to play at Ken's Bouncing Ball in Peckham. As you can imagine, there's a bit of a buzz going around at this time. Before the gig, Marley's record company, Ireland, visit the Bouncing Ball and decorate the walls with all the famous publicity photographs from that album. And when the crew arrive at the venue, they notice that all the posters have been removed. Challenged about this, 
The manager of the club um, admits that the posters disappeared based on his own decision and says that they can't hang up a picture of a man smoking a spliff. So the Whalers reach, set up on stage. Seacar arranges his percussion. Family man takes his bass from his case. Bob arrives and immediately notices the missing posters. On hearing the reason why, he declares that a club that refuses to display the poster on its wall is a club that he, Bob Marley, refused to grace with his presence, upon which he leaves. After this, the club is obliged to refund all the monies to all the disappointed guests, which is quite a sizable number of people. And don't forget, this is 1973. Bob Marley was emerging at that time on Island Records in an international sense. But he, he clearly shows a determined approach to how he was represented and didn't even play at the club. And this is all according to an article um, which was written by Penny Real um, around that time. Penny Real was a very famous uh, reggae uh, scribe. And it's true that he was scheduled to play this club, but he cancelled the show. The other thing about Marley is when you travel the world, you meet all kinds of people that have had some kind of connection with Bob Marley or have got a story to tell about Bob Marley. This kind of uh, concept of or moments with Marley is nothing new because my dear friend Sovex Lowe uh, did an amazing podcast series about this a few years ago, which you can look up on Mixcloud. It's a series of interviews with people who talk about their Marley stories, about how Bob Marley changed uh, their life. But I'm going around the world and talking about the book. I always meet someone who's got something to say, who's got some sort of Marley connection. And one of the most fascinating encounters I've had so far um, was an academic in uh, Sweden called Hans, who, who told me that um, one of the lecturers at the university was actually the person who hosted Mali in, in 1972 in Sweden. And this is an interesting story because Mali's first time outside of Jamaica was not actually in the UK, it was in Scandinavia, in Sweden, where he was taken by the late Danny Sims um, to work on a soundtrack for a film, I think with Johnny Nash. And... Um, the whole thing went completely down the tubes. You know, the project uh, just went haywire. And Marley was, was left uh, broken, destitute in Sweden. And there's a famous story about how Danny Sims tried to, tried to raise the money they needed by playing a poker game because he, he liked playing poker. And unfortunately, he lost that poker game against an expert poker player. Somehow, Bob Marley got back to Jamaica. And then after that, that's when he signed with Ireland. But his first time in Sweden, uh, this particular person actually hosted him in, in his house. And he had a lot of tales to tell me. So everywhere you go, you hear something about Bob Marley. And everywhere you go, you'll find his media footprints. I think one of the mistakes that people make when they share things online, especially when it's video or audio content, magazines are a bit different you know you, you tend to share the article or the, or the photograph but with video people tend to cut bits of video or cut bits of audio with no recognition or no uh, no consciousness about where it came from or no respect about where it came from and sometimes the the context you know the original 
material came from some very dubious sources or from some interviews that I would say even were quite hostile to Bob Marley and, and there are a few. Print media for me is uh, the place to find quite a lot of authentic and um, interesting information. A few people have asked me if I'm going to write a second book. I'm working on an idea, but I'm not sure, you know. I've, I've really enjoyed talking about this book and, and travelling the world talking about it. And Roman and Littlefield are a great publisher. But um, I don't really want to become a Marleyologist, although in a way I suppose I've become one. I think that's one of the problems with, with writing about specific artists from an academic point of view. You're somehow seen as an expert, and I'd like to stress that I don't want to be seen that way. My interest really is how the media represented Bob Marley during his short lifespan, and that hasn't really got to do with writing an autobiography about him or claiming to be an expert. Anyway, you can find the book online. It's called Bob Marley and Media. It's by Mike Hadji Michael and is published by Roman and Littlefield. One, two, three, four. This, my dear friends, is the Chofta. Do you want some more? podcast with Haji Mike. Culture, music, politics, football, life. Too much.